O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, The waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains and went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow. For the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. The moon marks off the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness and it becomes night. And all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lion roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. Father God, you have ordained all things. We thank you for this psalm which describes your salvation, your creation, and how you've put everything in place. Let us think of your creation as Gordon comes up now to speak to us. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.
Thank you, Gordon. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a church gathering at, uh, on our lawn at uh, Bradfield, and uh, Andy read four, a few verses of Psalm 19 that uh, referred to the glory and beauty of God's creation. And uh, in those verses, it said there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Peter, could we have the title, please? When you're, sorry. Uh, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So wherever we see God's beautiful creation, throughout the four corners of the earth, they speak and they cry out messages to us. God made all things. He made all things good. Everything he made, it then in Genesis it says it was good. So everything has the stamp of the creator upon it. The stone. The tree. And Andy said in the garden, he said, um, look at the trees all around. Let's talk about the trees. Let's think about the trees. Let's think of the messages that come through God's creation as we see the reality where we sit. And wherever we go, we see. In the night time, sun, moon, stars. In the daytime, the fields, the vegetation, the animals, everything. The stamp of God's creation. Listening to our creator's voice through the splendor of his creative works. When Andy asked me just to step in and do a one-off, I thought, ah, well, we'll just take that subject. God has given us the book of words. To learn of him. God has given us the book of nature. To learn of him. If I dwell holily on the book of words. Or holily on the book of nature. I'm leaving out something highly significant. And I'm rather imbalanced in my thinking. God has given us the book of words and God has given us the book of nature and God is saying listen to me through these. Psalm 114 is a beautiful poetic flow of words. It's not a psalm I am speaking on as such but to capture the poetic beauty and lift out some things. And as we just look out on the creation, we could pick out hundreds 
thousands of images and just sit with each image, dwell, reflect, imbibe and receive messages. A while ago I read a little book by the former Bishop of Oxford, John Pritchard, who's very devotional in his way of communicating and thinking. He said, I love hearing the voice of creation through the creator. And when I'm out on a walk, a good practice is stop. Wherever you are, pause. And spend ten minutes looking around your feet one meter square. What has it got to say to you? What do you see? Stone, soil, flower, grass, dragonfly, insect. Just reflect on the voice of the creator in one meter square where you're standing. A lovely practice. I love a walk with someone to talk and reflect. It's a lovely atmosphere in which to engage. But equally, I find it very necessary to have walks by myself when it's just the Creator and me. And let me hear through what the Creator has placed before me. Under this title, I just want to draw it unending images, lifetime of images, thousands of sermons. But I just packed 14 images and I'll just shoot through seven this morning and seven tonight. So tonight the title is the same, the content's completely different. So the first image, the mountain. The mountain range. We have here in Psalm 114... Verses 7 and 13 and 18, references to the mountains. Psalm 125 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. There's some very powerful messages we can get from the mountains. Things change. Vegetation changes. Landscapes change. Coastlines are eroded and other times uh, expanded. Things change. But the range of mountains just sits there. Steady. Stable. Permanent. Immovable, unshakable. If I, Justin, you and me allow ourselves to get the voice of the Creator through the mountains, we're going to hear. I was here yesterday. I'm here today. I'm here forever. I, God, am the same yesterday and today. And forever. There'll be wars. There'll be wild weather. There'll be storms. Things will dramatically change. But these mountains will sit. 
through the heaviest snow and frost and wind, they just sit immovable. And with reference to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is where Jesus went to the cross. When you follow someone who you feel to be the Messiah and suddenly goes to the cross and dies and is and disappears, though he was going to reappear through resurrection, but that's a huge change. Where is he? As the mountains surround Jerusalem, says Psalm 95, so the Lord surrounds his people I'm here I was here for you yesterday and news is bringing us all sorts of things that are scary yesterday's news, today's news last week's news, tomorrow's news a lot of it's scary says God, look at the mountain I'm here and you can stand on me the rock and you will have firm place for your feet Ever. I will not let you down. Cattle grazing, verse 14 of Psalm 114. It's interesting, the words, he makes grass grow for the cattle. Doesn't just grow. He makes grass grow. He does everything. The tree out there, he's made it grow. God is the origin of the grass. Just doesn't grow any old way for any old reason. The grass is there because God makes it grow. For the cattle? The reality is inside a blade of grass there's long lovely nutrients. They're good for you and me. There's minerals, there's enzymes, there's vitamins. But you and I can't eat it. Because the cells of a cellulose surround that we are not capable of digesting. Neither is the pig, neither is the chicken, but the cattle can. And the sheep too. God makes the grass to grow. You say, that's no use to me. No, you can't eat it. Because you can't digest it. But then he's made the cattle to eat the grass. And he's given the cattle a different digestive system to you and me. We've got a stomach. They have several. And through enzymes, there's a lot of gases exchange. And it doesn't take place quickly. It takes place over time, many hours. And many hours beyond the 24 as well. When that grass goes into there rumen and their multiplicity of stomachs and through gases exchange that cellulose is broken down and released those lovely minerals, vitamins that go into the bloodstream and cause the cattle to grow and to you and I produce milk the origin of butter yogurt all things dairy and meat and heights and leather 
because God made the grass to grow. And then he put together a whole ecosystem that's dependent on one another. And then even what the cattle, the manure from the cattle is absolutely then vital for the well-being of the soil and the enzyme activity and the nutrient activity that goes into the soil and all the worms and so on. And all this whole ecosystem in a very fragile way is put together and you and I are part of it. And so is everything that he's made. Everything is good. And it's part of God's creative plan. Let's respect what God has made as good. And let's hear his voice. His voice is, I've made interdependence everywhere. Everything is interdependent on the other. Everything is linked. From the tadpole, from the algae, right through to the lion. It's all linked. The bird can only exist flying in the air and some fly perpetually in the air because when they open, open their beak, they can get insects to live on. We're an interconnected world and we're an interconnected people and we don't stand alone sufficient. We stand dependent on God and interdependent on one another. Third image, in Psalm 104, it's verse 16, the uh, cedar of Lebanon. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. Psalm 92 says, the righteousness will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, and they'll bear fruit in old age and stay fresh and green. There are many, 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 many messages and reflective times could profitably be spent on trees. But this is just one. The cedar of Lebanon. The story of trees is incredible. How God made it all. He made the tree. Psalm 1 says... He wants us to walk in his ways, follow his way, and be like a tree planted by the river of water whose fruit will not wither and whose life will prosper. So he wants us to be like a tree. What does the tree do? Well, more recent decades of science and I love reading about the creative world, including trees, has shown many things. One third of what we see, when we look at a tree, that's two thirds of the body mass of what is. One third is underneath the ground in the root system. And you've got the big root and the smaller root and the smaller root and the smaller root to the little roots. And they go out in this big area to keep the tree strong, rooted and upright in the ground. It's ever, 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 ever going out underneath where we can't see what's happening, looking for water and nutrients, water and nutrients, and getting those water and nutrients as it ever, ever, ever reaches out further underneath where we can't see what's happening. 
and then through the xylem carries those water and nutrients right up to the leaf, which is the solar panel. And there, under the magic of photosynthesis, carbohydrate is made, energy to produce growth for the tree. But the mature tree produces more than it needs to grow. So, I have now clearly discovered that that percentage of that carbohydrate comes right down the tree and right back down to the roots and goes out. And it's that surplus carbohydrate that then feeds the fungi, that feeds around the tree and causes energy for its growth And then, messages interconnect with one another. And trees communicate with one another underneath the ground through the system. So that the big cedar of Lebanon, standing tall, maybe has not far away a smaller tree. Maybe a little bit more deficient, say, in, in the place that it is or whatever. And then that tree helps that tree by passing on some of its carbohydrate to it for it to be stronger and better. And so in the forest or in the hedgerow or out there in the field, all these interconnections are going on as roots are put down and out to absorb nutrients and water and bring them back to the central stem for growth and the manufacturing plant and the leaf of the photosynthesis and all interconnected and relating to one another. And when David wrote the psalm, he didn't understand all the science uh, and, and so on, but the principle is just the same. Funny, actually, our mode of text for the years about this, isn't it? Seeking God and seeking him continually. Not to sort of find him and say, oh, I've found God now. That's it. I can rest now. I've got it. It's more the life that's presented as the spiritual life is forever seeking and searching. And like the tree with its roots reaching out a bit further. And every year it's a bit further. And every year every tree's reaching out a bit further putting out its root system and then becoming mature and helping its own surplus carbohydrate to help the other tree. And then the more the tree is rooted and grounded, the more it comes up with a freshness and a beauty and a rich lean leaf and growth and and flower and fruit. And again, we enjoy its fruit and we eat its fruit and it's all interconnected. God wants us to be like a tree putting down deep roots and never becoming passive, never just sitting, never just floating along, but always every day, as our memory text, as our text for the year suggests, seeking him continually every year further, putting out our roots to be firmly and more firmly rooted and based in God and being like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose fruit will not wither and who bear fruit to the honor of God and fruit that we see in one another and to the world around. Next image is verse 19. The moon marks off its seasons. (coughs) 
The sun is the source of light and life. But we look up at the moon in the darkness of the night and we have reflection. The moon is not the source of light. The moon is the reflector of light. And we can see in a nice moonlit light. Not 100%. But we can see. And the moon is the reflector of that perfect light that the sun is the source of. Psalm 58 says, Psalm 8 says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have set in place. God has set in place the moon. It's not so very long ago when mankind didn't have a mind to think beyond the Milky Way. But now we do have in a privileged era that we live in through the Hubble telescope and now the James Webb telescope uh, a look and an in-depth beyond that is absolutely mind-blowing. And to think of all the things that are seen and discovered and yet the greatest thing is this darkness of black hole that we know nothing about and yet it's the main thing that's out there. Our God is a great big God. He's given within our system the sun and the moon. And he even gives us the moon at night to show us the way. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, oh yes, says, I am the light of the world, but he said, you are the light of the world. Because I want you to be a moon, says Jesus. Yes, I am the light of the world. I am the living source of all life and light. But I want my life to be in you. That you will be the light of the world. A reflector, a moon. We don't sort of work it up and try to be a moon reflecting God. As we seek God like the tree roots. Then without my effort or my working myself up, God wants his love, his unconditional, non-judgmental love to flow through us that we be a little light like a moon reflecting something of his beauty to the world of people around and cause them to ask a question. Hmm. What makes you take I've seen you in a very, very testing circumstance. I see your attitude to it. What? Where do you get that from? Next one. Sunset. Verse 22. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens, referring to the light. The sun rises. The sun sets. And no matter what happens to our day and night, the sun rises every day. The sunsets in an absolutely dependable way. And without the sun, the grass wouldn't grow. 
The cattle wouldn't be there to eat the grass. And we as humans wouldn't exist. And we'd all be extinct. But when something is as faithful as the sun, you just get used to it. God help us not to get used to it in the sense that we don't think about it or appreciate and receive the beauty of what God is giving us, the sun of his light. Malachi 4 says, when I, I, the sun, S-U-N, when I, the sun of righteousness, will arise with healing in my wings. The S-U-N is the S-O-N of God the source of light and life to all things. We live because of the sun. And we can only live spiritually because of God's sustaining of us. Next one. Verse 21. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. We see animals, and they all have a message to us. They all have the Creator's voice. Just pick this one. Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation says, chapter 5, See the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. And Revelation poetically and in visual description portrays to us many things that seem chaos. But through it all, Jesus is the throne. He is the lamb on the throne. He's the lamb and he's the lion. What do we mean he's the lion? Well, if you were in a game park full of all the big beasts and all the animals of leopards and tigers and everything and this big lion with its big teeth the king of beasts come up to you and whispered it's alright I'm on your side you'd sort of feel okay you think well there isn't actually an animal in this creative order that's going to challenge this guy he's all powerful He's the king of beasts. If I could be his friend, I'd be safe. Revelation paints a picture of so much chaos and turmoil, but with the lamb on the throne and the lion in the tribe of Judah, all is well. And to trust this God and have this lion as our friend, well, we can rest in the most chaotic and physically dangerous situation and feel, no matter what happens, I'm safe. I'm safe. And at the end of the day, spiritual growth is just trusting God more every day, fully and absolutely. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Finally, it's not in Psalm 104. Purposefully. It's the pig. Because they, God doesn't want you and me confined to the biblical origin of images. He wants to use our head and our brain and our eyes to see the hundreds of thousands of images that are out there and learn from them. The pig. Well, actually, 
Well, pig is in the Bible. Second Peter 2.22, a sow that is washed goes back to wallowing in the mud. I was brought up with cattle, sheep, and pigs, but mainly pigs. So really, my father fed us, sent us to school, put clothes on our back and food on our stomach because of the pig farm. It was an economic thing. But I'm so familiar with the scene of the pig. Maybe in a sty, all clean, and you let it out and it finds the water hole or where there is water or whether it can dig with its snout to get water and then just roll in it with a beauty, with a roll because it's, God has made the pig such that its method of cooling itself is through rolling in the mud and regulating its body temperature that way. so easy, maybe in a nice moment we're together and it's all cuddly and it's nice and we feel great and we feel wonderful and oh, it's, 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 it's a great life, isn't it, trusting God? While we're on earth, we have two natures, a spiritual nature, fed by the spirit, and a fallen nature that loves to wallow in the mire. And let's just remind ourselves who we are. We're fallen beings. And the fallen nature of Adolf Hitler is no worse than the fallen nature of Gordon Patterson. And my fallen nature is capable of sinking to the greatest depths that any man has ever sunk to. Says Paul, let him that think if he standeth, take heed lest he fall. There's lessons everywhere. From the creator's creation and the voices and the messages that come through. Let us realize who we are. Walk with our dependence on God. Realizing none of us. Before we receive a body likened unto his body of glory and free from the body of flesh. The fallen nature. None of us are beyond the possibility of sinking to the depths but he wants to carry us and he wants us to be secure in him here are seven images tonight there's seven more and then there's thousands more God help us to learn from our creator every day